Welcome back to the Avview Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Angelica Madreno. Join our conversation as we discuss her educational consulting, advocacy, and tutoring program, EDU Prep Space, and also the importance of universal learning. like to welcome everybody back to the Our View podcast, where we aim to raise awareness, educate, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I would like to welcome my guest, Angelica Madreno, to the podcast, and I am excited for our conversation today. Thank you for joining us today, Angelica. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here speaking with you. Yeah, so we are recording this uh, currently on February 26th uh, in the evening. And um, you and I have have shared before we started recording that you are in Texas where they have experienced some rough uh, weather with the snow and ice and everything there. So uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me today and glad to hear that you and your family are safe. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yes, it's been it's been a challenging week, but we are back on track. So yes. <laughs> very happy to be here today. Yeah. So to start the episode off, can you um, just give us a brief introduction of who is Angelica? Uh, you know, just share anything you're willing to share, uh, personal, professional, uh, whatever you'd like to share. Uh, just share that with us at this time. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so my background is in special education. I was in a school district. I began as a teacher, a special education teacher. Um, now going on about, that was about 16 years ago. So I started as a special education teacher and worked my way up. I ended up overseeing the special education department. I was at the same school for about seven years before I transitioned to a district position. So I've really, my entire career was based around special education. And at the district level, I was able to see all areas of it from our early learners, our early childhood education, all the way through high school. So I was able to really see the full spectrum of of special education from the youngest students all the way up to our students that were getting ready to graduate. So that's a little bit of, of my professional background. Um, I have three children, um, one who does have ADHD, so I am very familiar with disabilities and how those can play at a role at home as well as the school. So I'm, I'm able to connect with many of my families because I understand. I, I understand it from the perspective of a parent as well as the educational piece of it, the, the teaching piece. I, I've been in the classroom with students with different disabilities. So I was able to get that that perspective as well. So I was um, again with the district for many years before I finally decided that I really wanted to work with families directly and ensure that families understood the process because special education can be overwhelming. There are so many laws and guidelines and district policies that go along with it. I think for families just in the beginning, understanding that your child has a disability or learning difference can be overwhelming. And then you put in all those pieces of 
what do I do now with the school? How do I start that process? How do I get support for my child? So I understood that that could be difficult for families. So I really wanted to work with them directly and provide my previous experience, my background in public education and allow families to have that support, that guidance through the process. And so that's pretty much what I've been doing the last um, three years going on four, where I've been doing this, um, working with, directly with families, doing the advocacy and the consulting piece. I also provide tutoring for students with dyslexia. So I do work one-on-one -on -one with some students and it's been amazing. I mean, just getting to see my students grow and still being able to have my students I interact with, which was a piece that I, I missed for a while when I went to the district level when I wasn't in the classroom anymore. So that's been um, something that's been great so far, just being able to work with different families and working with students. Oh, that's great. And it's, um, I, I love that your, your professional background is in special education. So that led you to, um, you know, what you're currently doing now. And it's important uh, for me. I I didn't um, I I didn't uh, have special education classes, but I can relate that to other areas of my life with having a disability. And I can't imagine what my parents were <laughs> were dealing with and like feeling overwhelmed. So uh, for you to to have created something new to where you're direct directly working with the families to let them know the things that are available to them and to assist them along the way, I'm sure is, you know, more than uh, words can say for most of the families of how beneficial that is to them. So it's definitely a much needed, um, much needed service that you're providing for sure. And I know for myself, having a disability, I, I've said it before on my podcast, I've majored, I majored in psychology in, in college because I wanted to help families uh, who have children with disabilities. And I wanted to counsel them because that is something, uh, again, like it's so overwhelming for parents dealing with everything. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to, I, I felt that was missing in my family where we could have benefited from uh, counseling in some way. So, uh, you know, I, I had the, the plan to uh, counsel families of those impacted by disabilities. So, the fact that you're using, uh, you know, your educational background and your uh, previous professional uh, background of being in the classroom to uh, now create this uh, this space is, is really great. So, can you tell us a little bit about your um, program, uh, the Edu Edu Prep Space? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. <laughs> so. Um... So my business, which is it's EDU prep space. Mm -hmm. So um, what we do is we provide consulting and advocacy for families. And we try to, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for going on four years and every, every year I've added some more services, whatever I see that there is a need because every family that I work with, every student that I work with has individual and unique needs. I try to bring as much of that information to provide more and more services for my families. So some of the things that I do is I will attend meetings with parents. If it's school meeting and they're needing some support and some guidance, they wanna understand you know, all the components of it. I attend meetings with them. I work with teachers directly sometimes from some of my students and we just collaborate on things that I do when I'm tutoring, things that can be done in the classroom. 
um, and I am big on sharing resources. So I try to reach out to other professionals in the field, whether they are counselors or therapists or just anyone that is in the field, I like to reach out and just have those resources available to my families because many times they, parents don't understand what resources are available. I've had so many families that tell me, I didn't know that music therapy could be offered in school. I didn't mm -hmm. understand that, you know, there was additional things that we can, we can ask for to ensure that the, my child is being successful in school. I'm also very, very big on, ad, and on children advocating for themselves and understanding that it's okay to learn differently or do things differently or be different. There's nothing wrong with that. I think many times families have a hard time with that piece of it, like how do I tell my child that they have autism or ADHD right. or dyslexia? Mm -hmm. And so I really try to find resources for parents to help give them that knowledge, that that power to say, you know, it's okay, you know, we can get through this. That's And it's something that, I mean, personally, I, I do with my children. As I shared, um, I have a child with ADHD. It just so happened that I went into the world of special education and that was prior to having my child. So I understood some of it. I understood some of those pieces, but it was a little bit different coming from being a teacher to now being the parent of a child with ADHD. But I've always been very open with my child. It's something that we talk about in our house all the time. And we understand you may have some challenges that you face, but we focus on the strengths. What are mm -hmm. the things that you you are good at? And and trying to, un, you know, helping children understand that piece. That's something I do with my students as well when I'm tutoring them. And it's students with, with typically dyslexia or reading difficulties. So I try to get them to understand that it's okay if you read slower than other students or you may need more time. We all learn differently. And seeing that confidence grow is something that, that I just love. I mean, I love when my parents tell me, my child's reading a book. Like, what did you do? They're now picking up <laughs> books. Now they're okay with doing their, their homework. We're getting really good grades on spelling. You know, th these things that were, happen that were not happening before. But I really feel that it's building that confidence in students and letting them understand that it's okay to learn differently or do things a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that's one of the reasons why I really like to advocate in the schools and help teachers understand that there are ways to teach all children in the classroom and really being able to reach any child at whatever level they are in the classroom by ensuring that we are doing things in the classroom, the lessons are being built a specific way, and that way they can all experience success because I think that's an important piece. When children don't experience success in the classroom, that's when you start to see a lot of issues. I mean, why would I, well, why would I try? Why would I want to be in class when right. I always get a bad grade? I never know the answer. I'm always behind. Everyone else seems to know what they're doing and I don't. So that's one key piece that I try to make sure that the teachers understand and the schools understand that we have to give them the accommodations that they need in order to be successful. Yeah, that is, that is so true. It's, it's um, everybody can learn. It's just people, everybody learns differently. I, uh, again, I've, I've talked about it on my podcast before. I had trouble with math 
And it was just, it just doesn't come to me. If it's not, you know, one plus one, it's, I just never understood it. I could never get it. Uh, statistics in my college courses was, you know, the worst for me, but I was able to get it because I found a way to learn it uh, just differently for myself. And it came from talking to other students in the class who, you know, who, who showed me different ways to, to understand certain things. And it was like, okay, I, I can understand it enough to pass the class, <laughs> um, you know, but it, it just really takes, uh, it takes getting to know the individual student, I think is uh, really important to know, uh, you know, their ways and to know how, how they learn. And uh, so that, that leads us to our next uh, topic of discussion, which uh, you and I, we've communicated through email over the last few weeks about uh, possible topics. And uh, we settled on the topic of universal design for learning, also known as UDL. And uh, as I explained to you, and, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you may have noticed that um, in addition to uh, having conversations with uh, people who live with disabilities on a daily basis, I have expanded the content of the podcast to include uh, topics like this one, where uh, just, just so you can learn about other uh, types of disabilities and different styles of learning and just different topics in general. So um, I would love to get into the conversation of universal design uh, for learning, uh, what it is, how it works, and um, why it is necessary. So UDL is actually one of my favorite topics. It was one of the trainings that I provided when I was working for the district. It was my favorite one to present to teachers because it just goes, it goes into everything that we've, we've just discussed, making sure that every student is getting their needs needs met in the classroom. And that is basically what UDL is. It is the framework to, and, and I'm gonna read exactly what, what, what it says on, on the website. So it's the framework to improve and optimize teaching and learning for all people based on scientific insight on how humans learn. So it has looked at the different ways that humans learn and put it all into one framework. And it has three basic guidelines, which is the why of learning, the what of learning and the how. And when I would present this training to teachers, we would, we had several different ones. We would present an overview depending on what they needed of just the basics. And then we had a more in-depth presentation where we would actually take lessons, look at them, make sure that they made, met the UDL guidelines. But in the, the basic UDL guidelines, you are looking at engagement, which is how is this, how is the class going to to learn this topic? Is it going to be independent work? Is it gonna be group work? Are you gonna provide choices to the student? And it's really looking at that, making sure that all of your lessons in the classroom are meeting the needs of every child. There are some students that would love to sit alone, finish the work, and they are perfectly fine. I can sit at my desk independently, get my work done, and I'm okay. There are other students who love group work. That is how they're going to learn the most, learn the best is by collaborating with other students, being able to talk it out. And then you have some students that completely hate that group work, right? There are some students that are like, I do not want to sit in a group and talk to other people. <laughs> so that's just, it's, it's really making sure that you are offering those choices in a classroom. 
Um, I, I, the, one of the things that I've seen is choice boards, where if you are presenting whatever it is, if it's, let's say, in a reading class where we're reading a story and now we're going to do some comprehension, reading comprehension, what did you learn from the story, main idea, characters, you can do a choice board and say, you are able to either write a summary. So for the, the students that are great at writing and really can get those ideas out on paper, that would be good for them. You can also say maybe the group can work together and collaborate and come up with a group piece where you're all collaborating, coming up with ideas and then presenting something. Something else could be a PowerPoint if there's a student that may need that technology piece and they're just really good at putting together powerpoints because they're more visual and it's really hard for me to write out sentences but i can put them together in a powerpoint and give you bullet points that would be a good option maybe you have a student that can draw those out a student could very much draw out a picture of what that story was about and give you all of those things characters main idea what was the problem in picture form so it's really using those different elements, multi-sensory lessons, so that you are engaging all students, whether they are visual learners, auditory learners, if you need, you need that tactile, they need to draw it out, whatever it is, it's, it's looking at those pieces. The second piece is the representation. And this is, again, the, the what of learning. How are they going to receive that information? So when I'm presenting my lesson, how am I presenting it to my students? A lot of times teachers will just stand at the front of the room and lecture. And um, and that happens a little bit more with, with older students, maybe in high school. I think in, in our earlier years, elementary teachers are a little more hands-on and there's a little more going on. But in high school, we still have students that have different needs. It's same as college, right? We had right. the professor that would stand in front of the room and just lecture. <laughs> So if you weren't, you know, good at taking notes or you had your recorder or some way to capture, it's it's hard. And if you have a student that maybe isn't, again, has maybe some auditory processing issues so that just hearing it is really difficult for them, they're going to have some, some problems in that classroom. So it's making sure that we're engaging all the learners. I can stand at the front of the room and give you the information orally while I'm lecturing, but I can also have some slides behind me so that if you know it is easier for you to see the words at the front of the board and that way you can take the notes. Or, you know, especially now with our phones, right? I wish we had that when, when I was in college many years ago. Yes. You know, you can just take a video, right? Or or do the audio the, the you know, record what the with the professors yeah, the are voice saying. Memos. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would have been so helpful. So um just those kinds of, of things, you know, making sure that we are that teachers are representing that information in different ways. Um, one of the things that, you know, is very hands-on is like math, especially for our younger students, even when we are learning one plus one, one student may get it. Oh, I see the numbers on my paper, one plus one, that equals two. Another student may have pictures, one apple plus one apple equals two, but you may have another student who actually needs to have cubes, right? One cube and another cube. Now I can feel these cubes in my hand and I know that one and one is two. So it's giving those multiple ways of representing the lessons and the work and you're meeting the needs of all the students. And then the last component of it is the action and expression. How are the students going to provide what they learned? Um, you know, how are they going to show what they learn? And that goes back to sort of what I spoke about in the beginning. Are they going to do a PowerPoint? Are they going to 
create a song about it. I mean, we have students that can, you know, play, you know, play the piano or play guitar or sing. And those are things that I think are sometimes overlooked in schools. We focus so much on the academic pieces, right? The reading, the math, but there are some students that are gifted in music or in drawing or painting. Those are things that I cannot do. I mean, like, like you see the guitars in the back. My husband is the one who, I mean, he hears music so diff differently than I do. I've even said before, I really wish I, I could hear how it sounds in your, in your head. Cause sometimes he'll ask me, Oh, do you hear the guitar here? And I'm like, ah, yeah, but I know I don't hear it. The way. So it's just making sure that we are also finding those strengths in our students. So if it is a student that they excel in that creative space, right? They, they can draw pictures. Why not allow them to represent what they learned in that way? Because that's how they're going to get out what they learn. And it's probably going to make more sense to them than trying to sit and write notes, right? You ask them for two pages on the body system in science class and they're having to try to write out all of that and recall what they read but if you ask them to draw it they may be able to draw that entire you know <laughs> representation of the human body right. and give that exact information that another student may be able to write out or create a powerpoint or verbally tell you those those pieces so it's just that's one of the reasons why i love udl because it's really looking at how all humans learn how our brains work um again you know some people just need that visual i'm a note i have to write notes that's how i i that's how i learn mm -hmm. when i go to conferences even when when i was in school i have to write notes it's just the way my brain recalls information if i don't write it it's a lot harder for me to recall there are some students who can sit in a classroom and just hear that lecture and many times and this is something that i've seen with students that that struggle with focusing sometimes students are playing with their pens and doing all this other stuff and moving around but then you ask them a question and they have heard every single thing <laughs> that you said and they can answer that question yeah. although you thought they weren't paying attention so it's just really finding ways to ensure that our classrooms are set up to meet the needs of all students the interesting thing about UDL is that the idea of it actually started in architecture because when they design buildings, they design them so that anyone can access a building. And I think one of the, the easiest ways to picture this is especially our grocery stores. Mm -hmm. So most of them have the um, automatic doors, right? That open because you're pushing your shopping carts in and out, but when you have that, you are also allowing a person in a wheelchair to come in easier right. or a, a parent with a stroller, right? So it's just all of those pieces, when they when they build spaces, that is what architects look at. And that's where these ideas came from, which I find very interesting that they were able to take this piece from, you know, from building spaces and, and, uh, and buildings and bring it over into the education space and ensuring that we can allow access to our lessons to the the the, the um the you know the, to allow access to all of the students in the classroom whether it is your you know the student that may need a little more and they're a bit a little bit slower at getting the concept and also targeting you know some of our gifted students because we do have students at the other end of the spectrum who 
may, you know, you say it once or they read it once and they got it. I mean, and they need more. They're going to need more to be challenged in the classroom. And it's meeting the needs of all of those students at one time. Yeah, I, I, I love what you said about, um, you know, just the fact that, and we've said it before, that every child, every person learns differently. And this is, you know, we're talking in the context of a classroom, but uh, even as you said, in college, it's, you know, can be applied there, can be applied in the workplace. It can be applied to, you know, adults. And it's just, um, it's true. Some people are auditory learners, visual learners, tactile learners, and it's just, um, making sure that everybody is has a little bit of all of that, I think is um, very important because it's like in, in one area, it might benefit me to write everything down. But then in another subject area, it might be beneficial for me to see it like with math, I said I had issues with math, I need to see it like written all the way out as far as you can write it out for it to make sense to me. <laughs> but, some, but something like, uh, you know, a topic uh, that I enjoyed, uh, science or psychology, it's like I can read it once and it, it makes sense and I can retain that information. So it's, you know, it, a, a person can learn in multiple different ways. And uh, as you said, the professor standing up or the teacher standing up and, and giving a lecture is, you know, boring and, and it, it goes very, the time goes very slow for a lot of people in that way. But if they mix it up with some videos or PowerPoint in the background that's saying the same information, it does keep you uh, very interested and, and helps you uh, learn better. So I, I really appreciate uh, the explanation of that. And it's interesting to hear that it started in the uh, architect world. That's very, uh, very cool, very cool to learn, uh, to learn that. So uh, thank you for that conversation. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's why yeah. it's, it's one of my, my favorite topics and exactly what you said in terms of how we can apply it outside of the classroom, mm -hmm. just the things that you said right now. And I think with technology and where we're at right now, it's given us a lot more of that ability to access things in different ways, even for um, a job interview, you know, you can, we now, obviously the last year we're on Zoom a lot more. So, you know, just different ways of, of incorporating this in, in other places. You may have someone that, you know, struggles with interviewing. I know that there are some people that it is just, it is, there's so much anxiety that goes in interviewing, but they may be more comfortable if I'm at home and I'm on the computer, even if I am interviewing with a <laughs> set of 10 people, but just being at home in a familiar place, I'm going to do so much better at that interview versus if I had to come in and, you know, be in the same room as this interview committee. So just, you know, different, different ways of, of doing things. And, um, you know, now we have YouTube and all these other things. That's something that I try to incorporate with my students when I work with them as well. We do all of our sessions online now in the last year because of, of everything that's happened. We do our, our tutoring sessions online. So I try to make sure that I'm keeping them engaged because sometimes it is hard for a child to sit in front of a computer. So we do videos. I will pull up YouTube videos because exactly what you said, we may be talking about reading, but if they see the commas and the periods and the exclamation as a little cartoon and it's you know they're seeing this visual representation it makes so, so much more sense to them right. or if we're reading a story and they're seeing the pictures moving with that story then it's just 
you know, it, it, it just engages them a little bit different. So I think that there are definitely things that we can bring from UTL and apply them outside of the classroom. Yeah, that is, uh, it's so true that, again, every person learns in such a unique way. And um, just because one method isn't working doesn't mean that it's impossible uh, for them to learn. And it's, it's just uh, trying out different things and trying out a combination of different things in some cases. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really great. And really, um, I'm fascinated by the way that people learn. And as you mentioned, uh, with your husband, with music and like hearing certain things and, uh, you know, within a uh, musical arrangement. And it's just like, wow, like, I wish I could. <laughs> I love music. It's like my favorite thing. And, and I, uh, you know, I wish I could hear it as deeply and as intently as some other people do. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really great to, um, again, have this conversation and share this information with everyone listening. And just, um, I think, again, going back to uh, the parents and just, uh, you know, a lot of things and, and just life in general can be overwhelming for people, uh, you know, in every way and in a lot of ways. So uh, to just remember that uh, you may have to try some things differently and, and try out a couple of different things to, before you figure it out, but it is possible for all of your children to, uh, to learn and possible for all adults to learn, you know, it, it's it just, it goes beyond the, uh, the regular classroom and just, uh, you know, find out what works for you and, and yours and just um, stick with it until you, you figure it out. So thank you again for uh, this great great knowledge that you're providing uh, for everyone. <clears throat> so uh, to wrap up the conversation, I would, um, I, I always try to end with uh, a similar style of, uh, of this question. Uh, I always try to wrap up with, with some type of, um, some type of uh, question that ties everything back together. So um, what, what do you feel is most misunderstood about those who have disabilities um, and learning differences uh, can be a part of that in, in general, uh, just because I know that's uh, the population you work with? So I think that one of the things that I've seen in my experience is that, so, and, and again, my experience has been in the classroom and schools. I think one of the things that I see most often is that teachers will sometimes have an idea of what they think a disability is. They will think of ADHD a certain way or autism a certain way or dyslexia a certain way. And they think that every single one of those children are going to be the same. And I think that's one of the biggest misrepresentations that even within that disability, every child is unique. So one child with ADHD may not look like another, one child with autism may not look like another, same with dyslexia. Again, the majority of my students that I work with have dyslexia. My lessons look completely different because I tailor them to each one of my students. Mm -hmm. Again, if I have that visual learner, we're gonna do a lot more visuals. If I have a child that we need to review things several times, we're going to review that same lesson two or three or four times, whatever they need. So I think that's one of the biggest misrepresentations that 
people will assume that they understand or that they know because they've had experience with one or two children or, or people with disabilities. And I think it's understanding that whether you have a disability or not, we're all different and being mm -hmm. able to adjust our lessons or just adjust the way we're doing things to meet the needs of every individual child, we will meet the needs as long as we are understanding that everyone learns differently. But again, I think that's been one of the biggest misrepresentations or also not giving the child a chance, you know, just sort of like, well, you have, you know, dyslexia, it's, you're reading so many grade levels below, we, we were just going to try to do the best we can and move on. And it's like, no, if you really follow the program that you're supposed to and really meet their needs and fill in those gaps that they're missing, they can catch up and they can do exactly what any other student can do. So I think that's been one of the mis misrepresentations that I've seen or just things that I've seen throughout schools is um, not understanding fully what, what goes into this and and understanding that everyone is unique and, and everyone is different, whether we have a disability or not, we can, we all learn differently. Right. Um, and understanding that piece and making sure that that you are open to other, or pretty much thinking outside the box, just because you've done things a certain way and it's worked for other students and now it doesn't work for this one, you don't get stuck on that. Let's think outside the box. Let's think of different ways that we can approach this and different ways to help students. So I'm, I'm always big on on finding creative ways. Um, I, I like solving problems. Like that's, that's one of my things, which is why I, I liked working for the district because when there was an, an issue, I was like, okay, we're gonna figure this out. Let's figure out how to help the student. Let's figure out how to help the school. Um, and it's thinking outside the box, being creative, making sure that we're meeting the needs of of everyone that that we come into contact with in a school. Yeah, that is um, very, very well said. And thinking outside of the box is um, so important in in every way and so many different ways. Uh, and not putting, I, I think also not putting the child into a box of saying, because you have dyslexia or some other diagnosis, you can only do this and can only, uh, you know, have not not to put limits on the child because of a particular diagnosis is uh, so important. Because, um, as I said, I I don't have a learning disability, but it has been, you know, it's been done to me as as a child and even as an adult uh, with a physical disability to be put into. Uh, you know, certain boxes of, oh, you can only do this or you can only do that type of thing, uh, type of work, for example, when uh, I can do so much more. But again, treating people as individuals and just because you heard of or have interacted with, worked with someone else who has uh, the same diagnosis, uh, it's different for everybody. I can never stress that enough that, uh, and as you said, people with and without disabilities, we're all unique in, in every way. So uh, it's important to just treat everybody as an own, their own individual person, I think is, uh, you know, a great message to, to spread. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your time again uh, today. I appreciate it. And I truly enjoyed this uh, conversation. I learned a lot. And uh, I know my listeners will have uh, learned a lot. And can you just uh, share with everyone where they can find you online, if your uh, your website, your social media sites, and how they can uh, get in contact with you? 
So thank you so much for having me. This was yeah. this was great. I really I really loved being a part of this. So people can find me um, on my website, which is www.edupreppspace.com. They can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Same same handle edupreppspace.com. And again, I am always happy to talk to families or other individuals in the field. I love being able to have all of the resources. I never stop learning. I mean, every day I've done this for years and I, I tell parents all the time, my child has ADHD. My husband has ADHD. I've worked in this field for a long time and every day I learn something new about ADHD. So I mm -hmm. love learning. And again, as, as many resources as I can have for families, I am I'm happy to share those. So if anyone has any questions, um, I know I'm in Texas, but Again, special education law is is across the United States. All states have to have to um, abide by it. And I do know other people in other states, so I'm always happy to connect people if they need someone in their state, if they need assistance with anything with the school system. That's great. Uh, again, I truly appreciate your time. Your passion shows uh, through your conversation here today and through your uh, great Instagram page. I, I love the uh, content and everything. So, and I, I love what you said about, although you're in Texas, you know other people in different states. So you are, uh, you can be a great resource for other people to connect them with people who are closer uh, geographically to them uh, throughout the country. And just uh, being there to offer uh, the support that many families need. And I think, um, again, that's why I have chosen to expand the content of this uh, podcast to include uh, people like yourselves, because it is, um, it's very difficult at times, uh, having a family that is impacted with a, a disability a, a, and a learning disability. And it's just, uh, it's difficult to find resources that are available. They are out there. There are many that are out there. <laughs> Um, and they provide great services, but at times it's very difficult to locate them and find them. So to have someone like you uh, providing this service is uh, very much needed and appreciated. So uh, Angelica, thank you for your time and I appreciate it and uh, definitely will be uh, keeping in touch with you and hopefully working, uh, collaborating with you again in the future. Thank you so much. Yes, I look forward to collaborating with you as well. You're doing amazing work. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but you have, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> you too. All Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Leave us a review wherever you listen and let us know what you liked about this episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms for more disability-related content at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. If you listen to this episode on your phone, take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and be sure to tag us. We thank you for listening and take care.